Welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. Joining me tonight in the Speakeasy are a couple of guys that hold the positions of Head of Author Services and Head of Product at Findaway Voices, which is a product itself of Findaway. Kelly Lytle and Will Degas, thanks for joining me in the Speakeasy tonight. Great to be here. Yes, thank you for having us on. This is a lot of fun. All right. What are you guys drinking tonight here in the Speakeasy? Well, I, it is... Uh, I, I wish that I was drinking bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am actually drinking a cup of tea. I, I would be drinking watershed bourbon if I had the, the choice at the moment. Uh, but actually, I have a nice hot cup of special tea uh, that was specially designed to keep your voice strong. So oh, no kidding. I'm doing a bunch of talking, and I'm going to keep it strong for this. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I am not familiar with watershed bourbon. Oh, it's very good. It's a, it's a little distillery out of Columbus, Ohio that is doing some really, really cool stuff. Yeah. No kidding. I'll, I'll look for them yeah. next, time I'm, uh, next time I'm in Total Wine. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Rich, this is Kelly here. Um, yeah, they're actually uh, friends of mine. Uh, they have an award-winning gin that is absolutely fantastic, their four-peel gin. And then um, they have a bourbon, an old, uh, a pre-made old-fashioned, and a, a you know, bunch of other drinks. And they are uh, they're great guys out of Columbus. So um, I would be drinking a gin gimlet at the moment if I could. But seeing as it's uh, not quite um, uh, time for that yet, I'll hold off for another couple hours before I, <laughs> before I tee one up. And uh, so we'll have to be doing it in spirit. Well, that is quite all right. I uh, I appreciate the the um, the information on Watershed. I will look them up because uh, Martini is kind of my standard drink, and so uh, whenever I hear of a good gin, I will always give it a try. My my latest is Nolitz Gin. Found that by accident at a uh, a, th- a movie theater that we have here in Tucson that actually has a full bar. And I said, well, I'll give it a try. And I really liked it. So uh, that's my latest favorite. The best way to attend a movie, right? Is one, or it is. Theater is one that has a full bar with it. I, I love this place. Full bar, full reclining seats, a uh, little more expensive, but they have half price Tuesdays. So we usually end up there on a Tuesday. <laughs> Imagine how that, funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate the fact that uh, you guys are having non-alcoholic beverages tonight. As usual, I'm going to have an alcoholic beverage. I, uh, tonight I'm having a rusty nail. Don't have rusty nails too often, but uh, I, I learned them when I found out that my mother-in-law's husband likes a rusty nail. I thought, hmm, I'll have to learn how to make that. So uh, so I learned, and I like them, and I'm having one today. So thanks a lot for uh, joining me here today, tonight, guys. Cheers. Cheers to you. Wait, real quick, you're going to have to – what's in a rusty nail? I want to know about that. Oh, sure, yeah. A rusty nail is a blended scotch whiskey – with uh, Drambuie, which is a Scotch liqueur. And it's a ratio of about two to one, uh, blended Scotch to Drambuie. And uh, typically it has a lemon peel for uh, garnish, which I forgot to put in today. So uh, I'm, I'm missing the little lemon zing that you get there. But, uh, but I, I, I think they're good. I, it's not something I drink all that often, but, uh, but I do like them. Yeah. That, I mean, that lemon garnish, it just gets in the way anyway. So you've got, (laughs) (laughs) it, it might, it might. So anyway, cheers guys. Thanks for coming in. Cheers. Uh, I'm not, not getting a good, uh, let's try this. Ah, there we go. All right. Cheers. 
So, uh, so where are you guys? I, I uh, seem to remember that you are out in uh, some place in towards the East Coast, but not all the way there. Yeah, that that is a good way to describe Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Cleveland, all right. Yeah, Cleveland. So we're uh, we're located. Our offices are officially uh, I don't know about twenty minutes or twenty miles south and east of Cleveland, but for all intents and purposes, Cleveland is home. All right, and uh, hence the the affinity for a distillery that is in Columbus. That is correct. Yes, fairly close. By. Fairly close. All right. So, uh, so that's where you're at now. Is that where you guys are both from or, uh, did you come from someplace else and just kind of converged on, uh, on Ohio? Yeah, I grew up near Akron. So not too far away, about an hour South of Cleveland. Uh, and I still live down near there, but it's not too bad of a commute. So I'm close enough. Yep. So I was born, originally born in Denver, uh, but I grew up in the Northwest part of Ohio. I uh, lived on the East Coast for a little while in New Jersey and then in Manhattan for a few years uh, before moving back to Ohio and ultimately settling in Cleveland. Uh, I've been here for about 10 years or so. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a city that grows on you real fast. So it's a lot of fun here. Interesting. It's a city that grows on you. So you've had some big city experience. I mean, if you lived in Manhattan for a while and now you're you're um, you're back in Cleveland, which is, I think, a little smaller than Manhattan. Yeah. You know, I haven't checked the most recent census, but I believe you're correct. in. That. <laughs> <laughs> but but you like it. You've been there 10 years and you plan on staying for a while. Yeah. Plan on staying for a while. Just um, finishing up a two year ordeal of a renovation of a very old Victorian home. That, uh, uh, you know, cost me the better part of, you know, the most stressful couple of years of my life. You're locked, um, you're so I'm not now. going anywhere for a while. I can't, I can't leave, that, <laughs> leave that place. <laughs> we have put the time and money into this house. We're staying. That's exactly right. Every, every scene from the money pit imaginable is, uh, has been my life. <laughs> I, I understand. I, I live in a, um. I don't even know what to describe it as. We, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California, but, um. We, we like to think of our house here in Tucson as a bit of a mystery house. The, the previous owner uh, had a handyman that she liked, and she just had him keep building stuff on and building stuff in different places, and it's just kind of a goofy place. So I understand the money pit reference. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so fun. <laughs> so uh, so what did you guys do for school? So I, uh, I went – my undergrad was in uh, video production, but I wanted to make movies for a living for a long time. I was in the journalism yeah. school, so I have a little – tinge of journalism there as well. Uh, and as soon as I got done with that, I was kind of bored with it. So I moved into programming, uh, kind of self-taught myself programming, a little bit of user experience and marketing, uh, and worked my way through iOS development, web development, and kind of landed in uh, product development at the end of that. Wow, that's a, that's an interesting path from the creative side to the technical side and sort of back to the creative side. Yeah, it, it you know I was real creative heavy at the beginning, and then I went real technical at the end. And the product thing right now blends both of those together really well. Um, that's great. A pretty pretty broad generalist. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. So Kelly. Yeah. So let's see here. I um, uh, you know it's funny. I think if you um, had asked my mom when I was about ten years old. Uh, what I would be doing, she'd say, you know, I don't know exactly, but it'll probably involve him writing and reading books for a living. And so she <laughs> sort of hit the nail on the head. Uh, but I didn't, you know, maybe a little stubborn, didn't quite figure that out on my own for a while. So um, I was an act actually an economics and finance major in school. And then I, when I lived in New York, I worked on Wall Street for many years. Um, so I did a stop there. 
did a stop actually in the front office of the Cleveland Browns, so in the NFL, and then eventually made my way into publishing, into the world of books, uh, which is a much, much better fit for me. So uh, a bit of a kind of strange and winding path, but happy to be here now. And as usual, mom was right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she let or, or she, she would have been if she had answered that question. Right, exactly. And she, uh, she's not scared to let me know that, too, as she makes fun of me on a regular basis. <laughs> I told you so. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So tell me about Findaway. How did uh, Findaway get started? How long has the uh, parent company been around? Yeah, absolutely. So Findaway has been in business for a little over a decade now. And our flagship product is a device called PlayAway. And what PlayAway is, is it's a preloaded single title audiobook player. So imagine a device about the size of a deck of cards. On one side of it is the cover image for an audiobook. And then on the other side is play button, pause button, skip ahead, skip back, etc. And it's this very simple device require there's no connectivity there's really nothing to it other than uh the audiobook that is preloaded onto it and it sounds you know if you figure the the uh play away launched in the mid 2000s it sounds completely counterintuitive like how in the world is this thing uh going to be successful uh in the day and age when everything is moving mobile everything is moving to the to the cell phone or an ipod at the time whatever it may be um and it's, right. out, it's been an incredibly incredibly successful product for us um especially in public library where libraries use it to circulate. So instead of circulating a book on CD where you have 12 discs to cycle through and to change, you know, you can, you have this very easy to use play away device and all you have to do is press play and it's all set. It's very portable, very convenient. And so it works fantastic in public library and school libraries. And then in addition to that, we also have great relationships with the U.S. military, U.S. Uh, Department of Defense where we've actually shipped over a million playaways downrange to service women and men all over the world. So if you wow, yeah, and it's it's just a, a remarkable sort of arm of of playaway and extension of it. To, you know, it's just such a meaningful um, business to be in to be able to provide that content and to get content into some of the most remote, remote locations in the world, um, and it works really well because of the simplicity of the device, right? All you have to do is have a battery, headphones, and press play, and you're good to go. And so it's, you know, works really well that way. Um, and so that was how Findaway entered the audiobook business. And from there, a few years ago, as we noticed the market moving more and more digital and consumers excuse me, consumers listening uh, to audio on their phones and you know devices they were carrying with them. Uh, we created a digital business, a digital platform called Audio Engine. And Audio Engine has since grown into what is the largest, the world's largest business to business audiobook platform. And that platform has two core areas. Uh, the first is the content catalog that we license from publishers all, all over the world. So to date, we have about 200,000 audiobooks in that catalog. Um, outside of Audible, it's the second largest um, or the next biggest in the world. And then in addition oh. to, yeah, so it's this massive, massive global catalog. And, and the fun thing is, 
you know, when Playaway first started out, we were we were bragging about having hundreds of audiobooks on Playaway. <laughs> that was the big accomplishment at one point when we hit those milestones. And to look back 10 years ago and, and see those messages is really funny now because we're looking at a catalog of 200,000 audiobooks. Yep, exactly. Growth yeah, quite, quite, a, quite a growth factor there. Yes. Exactly. Um, yeah, and so, so the one side is the content catalog. And then in addition to that, we created a company in technology where we can enable companies who want to partner with us, partner with Audio Engine, uh, to essentially plug in through that technology and be able to sell the content and the audiobooks that we're licensing from publishers to their users through their own brand, through their own uh, consumer experiences. So we're essentially the back end or the, the guts and the glue, if you will, providing all of the content, uh, audiobook content, to some of the biggest sellers in the world. And so there we're partnered with Barnes & Noble Nook, with Scribd, with um, Playster and eStories, Follett in uh, K through 12, Baker and Taylor, Biblioteca in public library. So really large relationships and partnerships um, where they're leveraging our content and their user base, their user experience to sell directly to their, their end consumer. And we're sort of the guys behind the guy in that situation, um, which is, again, you know, another way for us to help power and drive the audiobook industry forward. So... Is the, the playaway portion still really doing well? Absolutely, yes. It's, it remains a growing business, um, continues, continues to expand. We continue to have very strong demand. Um, in addition to playaway, we've actually um, expanded the notion um, and availability of the preloaded products that we offer. And so the, probably the best example is a, is a product called Launchpad which is a tablet that's preloaded with apps and games, usually a lot of times children's apps and games, comics, sometimes video, sometimes video um, all the content preloaded onto the device and then able to circulate in public library. Um, so we've continued to be able to expand the Playaway brand as well as extend the notion of preloaded devices and preloaded content, especially within the public library, library sphere. Yeah, the library angle seems like a good one. Uh, I'm just a little surprised because I know that uh, our library uses, I think it's Overcast is the name. Um, I can't remember now, but I know that they, my wife checks out library books, ebooks all the time. Um, and I have done the same with audiobooks, but it's been a while. So uh, I know that there are ways for libraries to do the streaming thing sort of like Audible does. Um, but it's really interesting to hear that not only is, uh, is that, has that been a good place for Playaway, but that it continues to be. Absolutely. It continues. The, the physical component um, of audiobooks in public library remains very strong, whether it be Playaway, whether it be CD. Um, it remains a huge portion of the percentage of audiobooks that circulate and like I said, it continues to grow, continues to um, uh, to do very well, at least on the, the playway side, um, even as more of the overall audiobook market and, and market share shifts to digital uh, because mm -hmm. of the ease of access and ease of consumption available on our phones, um, you know, because we're all walking around carrying the greatest audiobook player ever invented. Um, yeah, you, know, you can hold thousands in one place. Now. But um, no, it, again, Playway, yeah, it, it's it, it's a incredible. It's just it's such an easy to use product. Makes such good sense in that market. 
Well, that's great. So uh, how did Findaway Voices come about? Yeah. So with Findaway Voices, you know, up until we launched officially in July of 2017, so July of last year. Now, we've been building the product and the infrastructure for much longer than that. Um, but we officially went live last year. And so up until that point, all of our focus had been on licensing content that was already in existence, right? Um, and so with Voices, what we had heard from um, you know, some of our key contacts in the audiobook industry, um, some of the biggest partners that we work with, they were asking us what was, um, you know, were we experimenting or exploring entering the audiobook, you know, creating audiobooks? And then to, alongside that, as we watched um, the rise and the continued growth from independent authors on the ebook side, and to see them continue to gain market share from traditional publishing, um, we sort of evaluated the landscape of what was available, especially to independent authors. Um, you know, you know, how do you create an audiobook? How do you get that market to as many listeners? Or sorry, how do you get that audiobook to as many listeners as possible? And you know, really, what you see is that there was you know only one option, which was of course Audible's Creation Exchange. And so what we did is we set out to create, you know, an alternative to that. And really, our goal was to create a single service where authors, publishers, rights owners could connect with an amazing pool um, and community of voice talent, voice actors and actresses to create new audiobooks. And then mm -hmm. once those books were made, we wanted to give them the to give the rights owner the ability to then sell that audiobook everywhere in the world. Essentially, that audiobooks are sold. Um, and so we want, and again, we wanted to do this all in one service that lets you, you know, create your audiobook and distribute it. Just create your audiobook or just distribute your audiobook. And, you know, with the goal of being a 100% non exclusive platform, and again, working to open audiobooks up as much as possible and to make them more accessible to authors, um, you know, and to continue to just grow that pie. So uh, July of last year, that's not that long ago. I remember when I met uh, Suzanne Galvez at, uh, at APAC last year, we were talking about it. And I had forgotten until you said that just now that it hadn't even officially launched at that point. Uh, so it's not like you've been up and running all that long. But in the time that you've been up and running, how do you, what's your sense of how things are going? Uh, one thing I will say first is it feels much longer than that. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I, think I may have aged a few years in those six months uh, as, as we've gone out and, you know, you run into all manner of uh, challenges that any, any new business has. Cause you know, at the end of the day, best laid plans go to waste the moment you, you hit that on button. Um, sure. Yeah. Realize, wow. You know, we did not, you know, you don't know what you don't know, which is why you're mm -hmm. out there and you have to see. Um, but from our side, we have been, um, uh, I would say, amazed and really inspired and motivated by the interest in what seems to be really significant pent up demand um, from authors, from publishers for an alternative solution, both in terms of creation of new audiobooks as well as distribution through the wide network that we can offer. Uh, it's very clear to us that um, we have hit on something, you know, we think that's really meaningful um, for both the author community and the narrator community. And so we're excited to continue to grow the number of projects we're creating and continue to expand um, the sources for where those audiobooks are coming from as it relates to authors and publishers and, and other rights owners. So it's been fantastic so far. 
Oh, that's great. Good to hear. Um, so you touched on it briefly about the fact that, you know, everything has gone digital uh, as opposed to physical. Well, clearly not everything since uh, Find A Way is Play A Way is still doing well. But but there is certainly that trend. Uh, most things are streaming now and available on different devices. Um, what are your thoughts on other aspects of the audiobook industry, uh, just in terms of the growth, uh, any trends that you see? Um, what do you, what do you see from your vantage point about best-selling genres, uh, things of that nature? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great question. I'll try to break it into a couple of parts. One, we see continued growth in audiobooks. I think the tailwind, you know, there's a great tailwind pushing the market forward. Um, and that's driven by the, it's the right um, lifestyle habits, right? Everybody is busy. We're on the go. We want to consume content, you know, as we're moving and audiobooks are a great way to do that. Um, audiobooks have moved from a very commuter centric product to something that is very lifestyle driven. It's a part of our lifestyles every day. Um, mm -hmm. podcast consumption and other audio storytelling format consumption has increased as well. Um, there's spillover and carryover into audiobooks, And so everything market dynamic wise is really lining up for sustained growth. And I think audiobooks will remain the fastest growth segment in publishing for the foreseeable future. Um, so that's one side. And I think that's, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are going to be really happy to hear that what they have been thinking and led to believe is being confirmed by yet another source within the industry. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, we agree. It, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, you can see it with your eyes, right? You see it, you see the earbuds or you see people listening and audio is such, you know, it's, um, audio is the, it's a, non-discriminatory way of consuming content. And by that, I mean, you can be doing other things while you're consuming it. And right. that means it opens up, you know, you can be cooking, you can be driving, you can be typing, whatever it is that you may be doing. Um, and you're able to find the right piece of content that might fit with what you're multitasking with or what you're doing on the side such that you can enjoy that audiobook or podcast or whatever it may be. And it just fits in so nicely with what we're doing day in, day out. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Yeah, another indicator is, is the new players entering the market, right? So, so Google Play launched audiobooks last week, which is really exciting. Another direct-to-consumer play uh, from you know, a huge brand. Uh, and what they did with Google Home is really cool, too. So I was using it last week, and I was listening to an audiobook in my car, and I got out, and I went in, and I was starting to do some dishes, and I just asked my Google Home. I said, hey, Google, keep playing that audiobook. And it was just it was seamless. I could go from the car to the home doing dishes and it just never had to stop. And that, that integration and these, these voice platforms are, are going to be a huge boom for audiobooks too. And is that how you asked it? Google keep playing that audiobook? Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, that's awesome. I, it knew the last one that I was listening to. Oh, it's, that's it's, fun. It's great experience. Great experience. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I hear a lot. I, I listen to, um, Leo Laporte on his tech guy podcast and he talks a lot about, um, Google Home and uh, Amazon's Echo products and uh, how that uh, they're they're really kind of coming into their own and how they can do things like that. Yeah, they're they're great platforms. It's good to see the the those players entering the audiobook market. Yeah. Um, and then in in terms of genres, I think you'll see. I, I think we'll continue to see growth across all genres. Um, but again, you'll still see. I think you'll see even more, or perhaps heightened growth. Um, Across the core fiction areas, core genre fiction, 
Um, romance will remain a, <clears throat> a major source of listening. Uh, so will mystery and thriller. So will fantasy and sci-fi. Um, and especially as uh, the new entrants into the market offer consumers the chance to purchase an audiobook at a price that isn't for the $14.95 credit of Audible. Um, I think that allows for you know, more titles to get made into audio, but also allows for um, perhaps some differentiation in what um, consumers are listening to. Um, but those will remain growth areas. And then on the nonfiction side, of course, personal memoir, um, self-help, personal development, wellness, all of those are really, really good um, genres for audiobooks. And, and you know, that fits the profile of, of a lot of the titles that we've been able to or been fortunate enough to create uh, since we went live a few months ago. Okay, that's good. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that a lot of people will be happy to hear about uh, things that maybe they're pursuing that would fit into uh, fit into those things that are doing well. Yeah. So, um, so what's the process that Find Away Voices uses um, for accepting narrators into the roster? Yeah. So, uh, so anybody can just come to our site and sign up. It's pretty simple. Just put in your name and email address. Say you're a narrator. As soon as you do that, uh, kick you over to our casting specialist, and they, they gather up all your information. We get a bio, a headshot, and obviously some voice samples. Uh, and we have uh, you know, uh, a team that, that processes all those and gets familiar with them and catalogs everybody uh, so that as projects come in and we gather details about uh, what the author's looking for, how many characters, what, what uh, kind of tone that they're looking for, then we can use our casting specialist to match them with with uh, some great potential fits. So is there any, uh, when, when somebody comes to you and says, I'm a narrator, I want to work for Find Away Voices, is there any vetting that goes on? Do you, when they send in samples, do you, do you check those in any way for, um, you know, a professional sound or for extraneous noises or anything that you wouldn't want to hear from a narrator that you are going to be promoting to authors that come to you uh, saying that they want to get an audiobook made? Yeah, a absolutely. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head with, with a bunch, bunch of things there. Um, and so uh, the most important thing for us and you know, for our casting team is we're recommending narrators specific to each project that comes our way. We want to be 100% certain that every narrator we recommend is able to deliver a high quality finished audiobook. Um, and we will not recommend anyone that you know, we have, you know, any concern or any question about that. So our team is reviewing all of the samples that come in to check for, okay, how's the overall sound quality? How's the depth? Um, are there any echoes coming from the studio or the recording? Are there any extraneous noises coming? Um, anything like that? Um, how high quality are the samples? Because if you're not perhaps willing to put forth that high quality sample, you know, that can be a reflection on just the overall recording, um, mm -hmm. you know, process that, that you employ. Um, so that's all very critical. Um, and then we also want to make sure that any, if you've asserted to us that you can handle a range of characters or character ages from, you know, young adult through middle age, well, we want to make sure your samples are indicative of that. Because we need to, and if that's what your bio references, or you know, if we're going to recommend you for those projects, we need to have an audio sample that showcases that too. And then the same for accents, the same for dialects. Um, so it's very important for us that we are able to confirm the quality, um, have that sense of trust in the overall quality of, of performance, and then also have samples that match the 
voice characteristics that you've described in your bio or that you've shared with us in conversation. And so that helps us then also make the case for you if we're talking to an author and an author happens to say, oh, I really love um, I really love Tim's voice, but I don't know if he can do this range of characters. And, you know, we, so then that gives us a little bit more information and ammunition to, uh, you know, perhaps support it or share qualitatively some of what we know. Um, but at the end of the day, of course, it all starts with quality. Um, and that's what we want to make sure of is we're recommending um, any narrator for, for all of our books. Um, interesting that you mentioned accents uh, and age ranges and things like that. Um, let's say a narrator has sent you in whatever, you know, three or five samples or whatever it is, um, and you have those on file. And this narrator then does some coaching with a dialect coach and says, hey, I'm really good at a Scottish accent now, but, you know, find a way doesn't have that. Would you uh, suggest to them that they should send you another demo sample with that new skill that they've acquired? Absolutely. Yeah, yes, for sure. Like as you evolve, we want to know about it every step of the way. We want to be as informed as possible about every narrator in our network. Uh, and we want to be showcasing the latest and greatest you that there is. So as you evolve, we want to evolve your profile with you. So, uh, you know, in addition to the voice samples, I would say every time you finish a product, your project you're proud of, especially if it's not represented in the rest of your samples, right? It's your first mystery or first, uh, first accent in the particular, uh, or first sample of a particular accent, uh, and it's something new, let us know, send it to us, and potentially update your bio as well. Don't just keep that locked in the samples. Uh, put it in your new bio so that it, it highlights your new skills as well. We love updating those things. So, that, so that's good. So you are actually interested in narrators keeping in touch with um, – how, how do you prefer people keep in touch with you? Uh, phone calls or I know that some of us have monthly newsletters, maybe some more often – um, what's, what's your preferred method of people keeping in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say email is probably best newsletters. Um, you know, month, a monthly cadence works very well. Um, and for us, you know, as, as Will was mentioning, what's critical, um, and, or what's really helpful is, um, some specificity around what's happening and, you know, the, some of the works that you've done that showcase particular accents or particular characters or a range or depth of skill that, um, you know, maybe when you filled out your profile six months before, um, wasn't quite as realized as it is. So the more that a uh, performer is able to highlight that and showcase that for us, it's incredible. And it's really, really valuable to us. And because our team needs to evolve with the talents of the narrator community that we're working with. So we're always, you know, listening to new samples and evaluate and sorry, and evolving our own um, expertise and approach with, with our base. And so the more we can hear from that base and know what they've been up to, the better it is. And it helps us maintain that robustness and quality of our recommendations. Um, the other thing I was at a, um, uh, narrator workshop over the weekend or last weekend with um, Scott Brick and Johnny Heller, and this subject came up. And the thing I mentioned there was, um, I'm also a pop culture and trivia junkie, as well as a soul music junkie. So another way, as you send us a note, um, if you want, if you want to throw out a random pop culture trivia question, uh, either over email or even on Twitter, uh, that would be a lot of fun. 
And if you have any like great soul music links or anything like that, I'm always up to hear those. And that will certainly keep you top of mind uh, for us <laughs> as we make those updates. So I've gotten some great ones already and it's turned out to be a lot of fun. So I figure I'll extend that to your audience as well. That's great. That's a good good tip to have. Always nice to know what somebody on the other end is looking for, whether they're looking for it or not. <laughs> I'll be clear. It's way more important to send us great new samples and highlights of your work. Um, and if you happen to drop in a, a random pop culture joke or something, that's just kind of the cherry on top. <laughs> All right. <laughs> good to know. So you mentioned the profiles and uh, keeping that updated. Do you have any plans for narrators being able to have access to the, the profile that is uh, visible to your author clients and being able to update it themselves and maybe upload their own demo samples or anything like that? Yep, we're working on some tools around that. Uh, right now, all of that stuff can be updated, but you just have to go through our, our customer service team and email us directly about those changes. Uh, we're, we're very speedy with, with making those updates, but we're definitely working on some product improvements to put that, uh, put that in the hands of all the narrators to have you know, up to the minute control of everything. Okay. Uh, so, you know, with coding experience, is that something you're doing yourself? <laughs> uh, I will jump in every once in a while, especially if there's a quick bug or a feature that, that makes a lot of sense and it's a low hanging fruit and I can turn it around for a customer really fast uh, and make a really great experience for them uh, quickly. But for the most part, those bigger features like that, I leave to far more capable team members. <laughs> really to to totally understand. Yeah. As, as somebody who spent uh, most of my professional career as a database administrator and developer, um, at this point, I'm, I've been out of it long enough to where it's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> once, you, once you get out of high tech for a year or two, it's like you're 30 years behind. Yeah, it moves fast. It does. Uh, not well. I'm not sure which moves faster, the uh, audiobook world these days or uh, programming. But uh, but yeah, it does. It definitely the moves quickly. Programming world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the best or worst of both worlds. I'm not sure which. So um, so let's talk about rates. Uh, it's a broad topic. We could probably spend an hour or two just on that alone. I'll I'll try to uh, try to keep it a little more brief than that. You're going to need but, um, the rusty nail here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I actually do have the bottles in the booth, so I might be refilling. Uh, I'll I'll mute the microphone. You won't be able to hear it, but by the end of the show, you might be able to tell. Um, so yeah, um, rates. Uh, so I don't know how much information you can give out publicly. I'm, I'm curious about things like uh, what's the average rate that the rights holders that you're working with uh, are willing is what's the average weight that rate that they're willing to pay. Um, so I'll leave it up to you as to how much uh, private information you can make public in this forum. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question and a good way to phrase it. Um, so can't share everything, but what I can say is we have projects going today at $150 per finished hour. And we have projects going at between 500 and $600 per finished hour. So we really do have a fantastic range of projects, um, occurring on the final way voices platform. Um, now in terms of an average, you know, it's certainly not the, the average is, is not in that you know, $500 range, it's much lower than that. Um, sure, yeah. But, you know, the most important thing for us is that, you know, hopefully we're able to slot in at a per finished hour range and recommend quality narrators um, that fit, you know, what your 
expectations are in terms of unit sales, what you know you can drive from your as the as the author, um, your through your marketing strategies, um, and that we present to you enough of an option there that whether it's a $250 per finished hour narrator or $350 per finished hour, um, that you feel equipped to make the right selection for your work um, and that you have the best opportunity to um, realize um, significant return on that investment and want to keep coming back making audiobooks. So um, can't give you the full specifics there, but that's sort of some of our philosophy and thought process behind it. That's fine. Um, I assume you don't have a maximum. Uh, you want to pay $2,000 per finished hour? Sure, sure. We'll take your business. Um, 20 but, hours. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take the rest of the but, month off. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you have a minimum? That's a good question. No, we, we don't have um, an explicit minimum. And, um, you know, we do that. We don't want to influence rates in any way, shape or form. Um, it's very important to us that, um, uh, all performers are able to set their rates um, and change their rates at any time. And we don't want necessarily to influence that. Um, I will say, you know, I, I think there's, you know, if you price, if your rate is, you know, $800, $1,000 or so, um, the available, the projects available to you will be limited. And then I think also if you're, you know, too low or if you're a dollar per finished hour, um, there's a certain, you know, I think signal <laughs> that you're send, sending it well. <laughs> um, and, you know, so we haven't seen that at all. I'd say every, you know, everybody working with Find Away Voices, um, you know, falls into a really reasonable rate structure. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm pretty pleased with that. And again, for us, we're trying, we're not trying to set them in any way or even guide it in any way because we just don't want to um, to influence that. We want to sort of let you know, project flow and market demand and supply, um, dictate where rates shake out. Okay. Um, that's, that's interesting that you say you don't want to influence them. Cause that was one of my questions. Um, you know, us narrators, we talk amongst ourselves sometimes. And, um, one of the things that I have, uh, the, the subject of rates through Findaway Voices has come up. And I think that there are some people who have gotten the impression that that you are trying to encourage them to lower their rate. Uh, so I can't speak for the people specifically who I've heard that from, but I wanted to get your take on if somebody contacts you and says, I'm not getting any auditions, and you mention the rate, are you encouraging them to change their rate or are you simply giving them information about what the work is that is coming to you compared to what you can recommend them for given the rates that they have given you. Right. I would, so it's the, make sure I have this right. I think the, the former of what you said. So we're not, our goal again is to never influence rates. And if we've given that perception or sent an email or any communication that has created that perception, then that's um, the, the perception that we're trying to influence uh, performers rate either up or down Um then, then that is a miss on our part, and we we miscommunicated that, and and um, something obviously we need to uh, you know tighten our our language and our our sort of communication around, um, because what we want to do and what our intent always is is to share as much information as we can to help make to help you as the performer make an informed decision of do I want to keep my rate where it is. Um, do I think it would make sense to raise it a little bit to perhaps signify a different, um, you know, tier of, of narration, 
or to bring it down a little bit if I want to, you know, see if that creates some audition flow for me. Um, and so again, our, our hope is that we can give you the right information um, to arm you with the right information to make the right decision, but not influence or guide or direct in any way, um, because that's not our intent by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, that that that's good to hear. So if I'm if I come to you and I say, um, you know, guys, I haven't gotten any auditions from you, uh, and and you look at what you have available for information about me, and you say, well, Rich, you know, I mean, you've specified that your rate is seven hundred and fifty dollars per finished hour. Um, if you uh, you know if, if you were to lower that, it's much more likely that you would get auditions. You're not telling me that to say you should lower your rate. You're telling me that because you're just giving me information about why I'm not getting auditions. Is, do I have that right? Yeah, and and you know, to 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 be clear, we likely wouldn't say um, we wouldn't say it in that way. What we would look to do is to say, you know, hey, you know, we're seeing this in terms of a range of projects, right? It's it's two hundred to four hundred or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and present it that way, and in, in you know, in terms of deal flow and or project flow. Um, so it would probably be sort of wrapped that way. Um, the other okay. thing that, the other thing that that I should mention here is that every narrator with Find Away Voices is being recommended every day for new audiobooks. And now we don't have the visibility uh, as much visibility into that as we would like. That shows how many projects have you been uh, recommended for as a narrator, or how many auditions have you uh, received? Um, and so that visibility is obviously something that we can we can work toward. Um, but right now, you know, we haven't, we didn't follow the ACX path where, um, you know, I think they have 47,000 narrate, you know, 47,281 narrators or so on the, it's up there. Yeah. And so what we've, what we've done is, is we want to balance the, um, incoming project flow with the number of narrators uh, working with find-away voices. Um, and re- we really want to ensure that everybody is being recommended actively for new audiobooks as they come in, and ideally receiving auditions um, for those works. Um, and so, you know, we can't always control um, who's selected for an audition, but we are looking to really balance um, how we recommend uh, performers for projects. So all of that is happening with our casting team um, and we're really trying to, to, uh, push that forward for you guys. And there's, there's some other levers to pull too, which are interesting. Um, you know, if you find yourself not getting auditions, you may want to revisit your bio. You may want to rewrite it and try a new bio for a month or two. You may want to, um, rethink your samples, maybe mix those up a little bit, experiment with that. You know, we're happy to update those things as, as often as you'd like. So the, there are narrators who really take the reins and with experimentation on that thing and do some, so like a two-week test with this bio, two-week test with that bio. Let me see how the results are. Uh, so there's a lot more levers to pull, too, besides just rate. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't aware that uh, that was something that was going on. That, that does seem like – I like that phrase, taking the reins. You're really kind of focusing on that and doing kind of an A-B test. Even if you can't do it side by side, you can at least um, take a look for a certain period of time and then uh, for the same period of time with something different. Yeah, we hope to build more tools to, to make that easier, right? And we don't – that's not something that's so intuitive, uh, but it, that's what our customer service team is here for. That's what our casting specialists are here for to to go through all that and help you update your your profile when you when you want to make a change. Uh, and the the more uh, rain taking ones have have done that already. So yeah. you can see that experimentation. It's, it's good. It's healthy. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. So what about on the other side? I know that um, 
you talking you you were talking about not trying to influence rates. Is that true when you're dealing with the rights holders as well? So if somebody comes to you and says, "I've got this great book, and I heard about you guys, and I want to go through you to get my audiobook made, and I can afford fifty dollars per finished hour," um, do you say? you know, you should really raise that. Or again, is it more just a matter of giving them information about, well, we don't have very many narrators who are available at that low rate. If you were to raise it, then you would have a, a broader pool. Yeah, it, it's sort of sort of in between there where we, we want to, we'll collect the information about the book and then we'll present back um, casting suggestions uh, with narrators at a range of, of per finished hour rates. And the goal in doing so is that if you have that $50 per finished hour price and you're sort of, that's what's in your head, or perhaps it's, it's a little higher than that. We want to share with you narrators at a few different price points um, such that you can make a more informed decision and hear some really, really high quality um, performers at rates that you know perhaps you might have thought were a little bit outside your budget or were a little bit higher um, because you know you never know when you're going to hear that right voice for your work um, and we would encourage you to audition narrators across you know a few different price points um, because that sort of moment of inspiration or or aha moment of saying wow I think I really found the voice that can just nail this character or can nail this story um, if you've boxed yourself into a certain uh, per finished hour rate, well, you're missing out on the value of the the breadth of the network that we've created. And so we want to showcase that as much as we can. And we hope that in, in turn, auditions are requested from, you know, a broader range. That way, um, each performer can highlight their own skills and sort of interpretation of the work. Um, and hopefully that leads to a healthier decision point um, for the rights owner than just saying, hey, I have to be at this rate threshold. And that's that's some of the beauty of, of you know, the, the human aspect of find a way voices too, which is if this was just an algorithm and you said, this is my budget range, and we would just cut it off algorithmically and not, not think about the quality of the narrator that we're suggesting. And if, if our casting specialist sees this project come in, they, they think to themselves, oh my gosh, I know, I know two narrators who would just knock this one out of the park. You know, they have the freedom to include those in the recommendations. They don't have to stay within that set bounds. Uh, so that's that's some of the the benefit of having the human aspect to the casting process here. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. I didn't realize that you guys did that. So uh, that's actually really good to hear. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening who are going to be very interested in hearing that. That when somebody comes to you with a specific price range, they are not necessarily, depending on the book, depending on who your casting director is familiar with, they are not necessarily only going to hear samples from people who have rates specified within that range. They might actually hear somebody who might have a higher range or lower. That, that's that's exactly right. And that was where one of the key differences between us and ACX um, or a true, you know, call it pure marketplace structure came in where we wanted to create called a guided hand or a more concierge type service where we're able to work more intimately with the publisher, with the rights owner, um, with the narrator, and attempt to understand more about the book and present the best possible set of options. Um, And you're right, that could mean uh, narrator recommendations that fall a little bit higher than the budget, or it could actually mean a little bit lower. You know, it just depends on on, uh, what we see as the best options, you know, for that work as we try to make 
the decision point as easy as possible. Um, and so that human element is very critical to our overall process um, and something that we work you know, very hard at, at maintaining and managing. And it's why um, you know, the notion of providing updated samples and uh, updating your bio and letting us know um, in a direct email like uh, that, hey, I, I performed this work and I think it's the best mystery and thriller um, that I've done so far, or, Hey, I just started narrating romance books. And I think this is a great representation of what I can do. Um, and it's different than what I sent you before, why that human element becomes so important because we do have a team that's making those decisions and evaluations as we cast narrators. Um, it's not as just as simple as saying, Hey, I want it at X rate. And then here, here are your options. There's a lot, um, you know, more of a balance and, and artistic element to it. That's great. Uh, that's really good to hear. I was not, uh, I, I knew that there was a human element, uh, more so than through ACX. I just, I didn't realize that it was, uh, quite as much as it is. So I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be happy to hear that. Um, and I, I also want to say I bringing up rates and, uh, I certainly don't mean this to, uh, uh, this part of the conversation to sound accusatory in any way. I, I want to add that I threw this out to a group of narrators who are familiar with find a way and who have signed up with Find a Way, and uh, there were either three or four different people who said, "I don't have any specific questions that I would like them to answer on your podcast, but I did have a great experience with them." <laughs> oh, awesome! That's good to hear. Well, that's awesome to hear. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I was very happy to hear that too. Uh, it's it's real easy. I'm sure that you know this on social media. Well, pretty much any place to only hear the, uh, the bad things, to, to, to only hear criticisms or complaints. And, uh, I, I actually really like the fact that there were several people who responded. I had a great experience with them. And so I, I don't want to give out any names, but, um, they were happy to work with you guys. That's yeah. awesome. We, we love hearing that. We love the critical feedback too. You know, we really respect the, when people don't have the right experience or people want to give us, you know, some critical feedback. We really, we look at all of it we take it all seriously and we really appreciate it when someone actually takes the time out of their day to, to let us know. Cause the, the worst thing is a really frustrated customer who doesn't even take the time to tell <laughs> us they're frustrated and never have a chance to solve right. their problem. So look, cause, cause then, cause then you can, you can almost guarantee that there are going to be more people who are going to have the same complaint later on. <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add about rates? how you look at it or what you're looking for or um, any other information? Yeah, and, and this isn't specifically about rates, but it sort of connects the whole um, notion of profiles and samples and rates um, with it. And, you know, one of the things that's been, um, you know, inc an incredible learning moment over these first few months is the um, idea of empowering all sides of our platform as business owners. So whether that's an author or a publisher and helping them run their audiobook business through Find Away Voices, or it's a performer and helping you run your performance business, whether it's audiobooks or you know perhaps other audio, through Find Away Voices and empowering you with the right tools to do so. So as Will mentioned before, um, you know we're obviously evaluating and, and um, understanding how to bring a more robust, a more fluid, uh, let's call it bio online where you can make changes um, directly. You can see what samples we have on file. You can change the names of those samples so that they better reflect maybe an accent or a character uh, voice that's in them. All of those things that sort of help you start um, leveraging Findaway Voices to grow your business. Um, and then as we continue with that mindset, 
Um, you know, no promises, you know, for, for rollouts this year, or um, we'll continue to evaluate what tools can we provide for you to do that. And then what does that mean for, you know, how you can access perhaps projects that are available at Findaway Voices, but maybe don't have a narrator yet? Um, or how do we better manage scheduling and things like that as we just continue to evolve our thinking for how can we help you run your business? And so that's where we're always looking for feedback. Um, and it's why, you know, I was at a workshop last weekend about <laughs> learning, um, you know, some of the tips and tricks that help um, voiceover artists really expand and grow their businesses because that's so important to everything that we're doing. Um, and so that's, those are the, some of the things we're looking to learn and, and grow our platform to achieve. Well, I heard some great things about uh, Johnny Heller's workshop this past weekend. So were you presenting or were you just there to hear from narrators? Uh, a little bit. Well, so did did both. So we had a great time, um, I had a great time sitting in the audience and learning. Um, uh, I think the se the uh, session on LLCs and S corps and C corps was actually the most fascinating to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I I assume that I assume that was Robert Siglin Pagway. You got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, um, a colleague of mine and I had the chance to participate on the the last session of the day, um, which talked a lot about what as a casting director or producer you're looking for in terms of interaction with narrators and, um, you know, how best to, to feature yourselves on the, on the different platforms. And so, um, just a really good all around experience. And again, um, it helps us grow our understanding of, um, uh, the performer side and, and the lens that they're looking to use find away voices through. And that's only going to help us continue to evolve the platform to meet those needs. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You guys going to be at APAC this year? Yes, we'll have a uh, we'll have a big find away contingent there for sure. So, uh, will you be there again? I will be. Yeah, I'm going back this year. I'm can't wait. All right. Well, we're gonna have, we'll have to do whether it's a, a rusty nail or something else. We're gonna have to do <laughs> have to have a drink in person then when we get there. Absolutely, I will definitely be in touch. I'm I'm uh, trying to figure out how I could have like a little. Um, mini uh audiobook speakeasy booth with like mini bottles of liquor people could come by and have a drink but my guess is that i'd be running into some legal uh <laughs> legal problems there having a whole bunch of liquor on me so that's <laughs> probably probably not going to happen but uh, we can definitely try to work out a drink at somebody else's bar right well better to uh what uh ask for forgiveness than permission or beg for forgiveness. <laughs> i don't know if that applies in this setting um but I'm I, I'm thinking that I I like that I like that idea in general, but when it comes to possibly being arrested, yeah, I tend to go for the uh, permission it, it first instead. Sort of draw the line when it says says am I, am I at risk of being uh, arrested by the NY? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, this was great. Thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Uh, where can people find you online? You can get uh, Findaway Voices on Twitter at Findaway Voices. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, and then my, you know, I'm Will Degas and that's Kelly Lytle and yep. And of course the website, findawayvoices.com. So, uh, all of those places and you know, we're, we're very reachable. So any questions, anything, anyone needs, just let us know. We're always happy to help and, um, excited to be doing what we're doing here and, uh, growing the audiobook market. Do you guys want to give out your individual email addresses here? Sure. So mine's uh, wdagus at findaway.com. That's W-D-A-G-E-S at findaway.com. And I am K-L-Y-T-L-E at findaway.com. All right, cool. Well, this was great. Thanks a lot for coming in. I really appreciate your time. I'm sure that everybody will, uh, will be interested to get a little more information about how Findaway is working.
Thanks. Love being here. Yeah, awesome. This was a lot of fun, and we appreciate it, and uh, look forward to hopefully doing this again, too. Yep, and I will uh, see you in May. Perfect. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you got it. Well, that's it for tonight. Thanks once again to Kelly and Will for stopping by and having a drink with me, and for enlightening us all about Find A Way and Find A Way Voices. You can find the audiobook Speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, a place where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our Speakeasy chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you could visit patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy and donate a buck or two. The Speakeasy is going to be closed next week. What I heard was that they're building a new storage area for rye whiskey because there's been a recent surge in rye sales. But that may just be a rumor. In any case, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers!